It's time to bring in Jonathan Clegg, senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. And Jonathan, so you're pretty much an expert on when it comes to Lionel Messi. And as everyone here in South Florida knows and across the country, Leo Messi is coming here to join Inter Miami. And this is something... Were you anticipating this? I mean, I know there was a lot of money on the table from Saudi teams. Was he going to stay in Europe? Was this even on the radar that he'd be coming to South Florida? I mean, I think it's been on the radar, um, you know, on and off for the last 12 months. I think we knew that there was a, a chance that, um, that that Messi would end up into Miami. Um, but I have to say that, like, the closer we got to decision day, I, I felt like uh, the chances were receding and he was likelier to end up somewhere else. We knew that Saudi was, um, had a mega offer um, for him and was desperately trying to get him to go there to partner, you know, to, 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 to uh, sort of share the spotlight with Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in the Saudi league, which uh, has had this huge influx of, uh, of cash this, this last year. Um, and I thought there was also a chance that uh, a reunion with Barcelona could be on the cards. Um, it looked like, um, you know, Messi was sort of keen for that to happen. And, um, you know, I think various people at Barcelona were, were keen for that to happen, too. Uh, the issue is that, um, you know, Barcelona is a very complicated and complex institution these days, <laughs> um, still heavily indebted from his first spell at the club. And, uh, and so it was a question of whether they were going to be able to get the financials to work. And it looks like in the end, uh, they weren't able to sort of make the guarantees that Messi wanted. Um, and he, he needed to get his future resolved. So um, I think, you know, Miami became the strongest option. So can you speak a little bit on the terms of the magnitude that this has for the MLS? I I, I saw a stat, and this is just ridiculous, that, that the LA Galaxy's cheapest ticket on opening day is $28. And for when they you know play uh, Inter-Miami a month later, it's $484 to get, <laughs> to get in the door. This is just absurd, the kind of way he's swaying the needle. That's right. I mean, especially as, you know, um, he's not the first sort of, you know, huge global star to come play in MLS at the tail end of his career. Like, this is a, a very well-trodden path now from, you know, the top leagues in Europe to Major League Soccer. We've seen, you know, obviously David Beckham, but, you know, Thierry Henry, Wayne Rooney, you know, huge names. But um, I think it just goes to show that Leo Messi and, and um, you know, and, and, and Ronaldo, the, the two of them really occupy a different stratosphere to any other uh, soccer stars of the 21st century. These two, you know, for the, the better part of 20 years, um, you know, were far and away the best players in the world, ruled the roost, dominated the Champions League, picked up the Ballon d'Or practically every year. Um, you, you know, they're so far and away um, the, the, the star players of their generation that, um, you know, it just puts them in a different level of celebrity and a different sort of magnitude to, to all those other guys that we mentioned. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, for, for, for soccer in the U.S., this is the biggest deal since, um, you know, Pele was playing for the Cosmos. This is like a huge, um, a huge global star. I mean, he, you know, one of the most famous people on planet Earth has, has decided to come play um, soccer in, in Major League Soccer. And, and um, yeah, I think, I think the, those ticket prices you've seen, the sort of astronomical increases in, in, in ticket prices to go see him, um, just speak to that, um, you know, level of celebrity that cuts through mere, you know, sports stardom and becomes, you know, I mean, Messi is a cultural sensation. You know, Jonathan, if I had to choose between playing in the desert or playing in Miami, I think the choice would be easy. And I will talk about, uh, the, you know, the financials of it here in a second. But I, I got to ask you, do you think that the impact is going to be there? I mean, you look at Inter-Miami, 
they're not a very good football club. Will Lionel Messi, you know, at, at his age, be able to make an impact to, to put this team, I don't want to say championship, but at least, you know, at, at the top of the table? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, he is, he's, he's, he's old, um, but he's still Leo Messi. I mean, you just saw him play at the World Cup just a few months ago, and he was by far the standout player of the tournament. Uh, basically unstoppable, you know, almost led Argentina single-handed to victory in some of those games. Um, yeah, I think, you know, if, if Messi comes over uh, and he is, um, you know, committed, enthusiastic and dedicated to, um, you know, to, 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 to performing at his best, and, and I can see no indication of why he wouldn't be, I think he still wants to play for Argentina for a couple more years here, um, then yeah, I think overnight he will turn Miami into, uh, you know, a serious contender in MLS. He is, he is that good, and um, I don't think that he's the last... Um, new addition to the squad either. So um, I think, yeah, I think I think Messi is one of those guys who his presence on the team automatically lifts uh, that team into into title contention, no matter w- which league he's playing in. Jonathan, this is Ira. Um, your book, we had you on in November. Your book, Messi versus Ronaldo, One Rivalry, Two Goats, The Air That Remade the World's Game. And I think we were previewing the World Cup in terms of what's going to happen at the World Cup. And, and we didn't know. You know Portugal, Argentina, what was going to happen. But you saw you just made a statement about the fact that it was what a run. Um, that final game against France when Messi scored the two goals and assisted and, and just a tremendous game. Just the legend. It's, it's hard to imagine the legend of Messi could grow, but it actually did in that World Cup. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this was, um, you know, the, the 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 cherry on the Sunday, that the bow on the gift. Like this was the the the, the performance that really uh, Messi, uh, you know, needed to sort of cap his career. I think I think you know wrote in the in the paper the next day. You know, in some ways, I think he's come as close as any sort of modern athlete has come to you know capping a perfect career. Um, the the, the um, winning the World Cup. Uh, uh, you know, in, in his sort of final, you know, throw of the dice at the tournament, um, the fact that he was sort of so instrumental, it's not like Argentina carried him to the tournament. He carried them. He was the the, the, the main guy. Uh, he scored the most decisive goals. He really led the team from the front. And, um, yeah, so I think, I think w- w- when we look back on his career, that World Cup win is going gonna, is gonna, to, you know, cast it in a different light than um, than even, you know, Ronaldo's career. For, for, for so long, those two were, were basically inseparable. Um, but re- really, Messi kind of ended the debate and elevated himself into, you know, the absolute um, rarefied air of, you know, Pelé and Maradona. Um, I think those three now um, are, you know, the, the, the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of soccer. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't really think that after so long at the top that there was anything that, that he could do um, that would sort of transform his legacy so dramatically. Um, but, you know, over the course of six weeks in Qatar, that's exactly what he did. And Ronaldo was having struggles with his coach and how he's going to play and where he's going, how he's going to play. And you mentioned, I saw your tweets and everything about Lionel Scaloni, the Argentinian coach, sort of like really knew how to get the most out of Messi and put the team together. And, and that was you know a big benefit to it. But Ronaldo almost sort of, I guess, would you know took a step back in the World Cup, whereas Messi then took that big leap step for that forward. Yeah, that's right. I mean, in his own way, you know, Ronaldo kind of cast his career in a different light as well in, in the sort of weeks over the over the course of the World Cup um, and, and not in a good way. Uh, you know, his, the bust-up with Man U on the eve of the tournament 
that kind of crazy, uh, you know, two-part special on British TV in which he kind of completely torched his relationship uh, with Manu and, um, you know, demanded his release. The club, you know, basically fired him uh, at the start of the World Cup. Uh, it was a, a completely crazy um, series of events. And then, you know, when he actually, you know, sh- sh- turned up and, and performed on the pitch, we saw what was clearly a very diminished Ronaldo. And, and suddenly the reason that he was stuck on the bench at Old Trafford for all those weeks became very clear. You know, this was not um, this was not the, the Cristiano Ronaldo that we remember. Um, and even his own coach uh, on Portugal couldn't deny it for much longer because he benched him, uh, you know, in, in their most uh, important matches. So, yeah, that, that really marks the end of, of Ronaldo's career. And um, the fact that it was followed so soon by the move to the Saudi League, which, you know, by no means is, um, is one of the premier sort of soccer destinations on the planet um, for all the money that they have. Um, that, you know, really sort of spelled the end of Ronaldo's career. The curtain came down on his career in very inauspicious circumstances. Um, and the fact that that was so, um, you know, diametrically opposed to what was happening to Messi, uh, you know, at exactly the same time in exactly the same place, um, really, you know, sort of heightened the, the contrast between the two of them and, um, you know, made it clear that, that while Ronaldo was done, Messi was still was still right there. Well, I mean, I think, and also the you met you raised the contrast between Messi and Pele and Beckham, who came over. I mean, Messi, right. it, it, Messi is. I would. You're not saying he's in his prime, but he is on top of the soccer world, having just won the World Cup. So I think that is a little different than when Beckham. I mean, first of all, he was he's greater than than Beckham was, and viewed as that, and some of the other uh, players that you mentioned. But the fact that he just came off, it's like if Jokic of you know, or some if you think of an NBA player who after uh, a number of you know, it's, it's not like Brady at forty something. I mean, Messi is still in his mid thirties and still has some great yeah. years left, and now he's coming over. We're going to get to see you know elite talent, not just a, a tour, a farewell tour. That's right. That's right. It's sort of like uh, you know, late Dirk on the on the Mavericks. Like he was still, um, uh, you, you know, he, he sort of aged into a, a kind of new role. And yes, he's not the peak Messi that he was at the age of like twenty eight or twenty nine. But um, I think because Messi's game was built on sort of different attributes than um, you know some other guys who have maybe come over, you know, by the time Henri and Wayne Rooney and and even Beckham to some degree came over, they were you know. That their physical attributes were were clearly diminished, and they had sort of lost something essential to their games. I think Messi has sort of aged. Um, you know, his game was sort of more well-rounded anyway, and so he's kind of aged a little bit more gracefully, and um, he's able to sort of be uh, as almost as influential as ever, despite sort of his you know slightly lim- more limited physical capacity. He doesn't run as much as he used to. He's probably not as fast as he used to be, but he knows when to use his speed, you know, um, sort of like, uh, you know, how, how Jerry Rice was able to remain so good even, uh, you know, into his 40s because he knew he wasn't as fast as he was when he was, you know, in his prime, but he, he knew he had the sort of subtle um, movements down. Um, his sort of game, craft was, was so advanced that uh, he was still able to be so, you know, really effective. 
I mean, the last two years he was at Paris Saint-Germain with Mbappé. I mean, you think there was Neymar, Mbappé, uh, and Messi on the same team. You think, boy, they're going to win everything. Yeah. But we know in the NBA, you put the three superstars together, sometimes it doesn't work out. But it sort of was like he wasn't yeah. embraced by the team, by the club. I mean, you just hear a lot of things coming out of there. So I think he's happy to get out of that after being in Barcelona for almost two decades and now sort of going to that for a couple of years. I think he's relishing the role of coming to Miami where people, I think, what's one comment as well, they don't yell at you if you lose, they don't just be messy. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's two things going on. I think, you know, at, at PSG, I think he, that first season, I think he was still really shell-shocked um, by the fact that he had left Barcelona. You've got to remember that he didn't want to leave Barcelona. He was basically laid off by Barcelona because they were so indebted they couldn't afford to pay him any longer. Um, that came as a, as a complete uh, hammer blow to him. He was not expecting that at all. Um laid off from the club where he'd spent his entire life. He hastily went to Paris Saint-Germain, but I think that whole first season was basically a write-off. And I think it was then that some of the sort of uh, ill will from the PSG fans started. The team flamed out in the Champions League in kind of very embarrassing circumstances to Real Madrid. They were really not happy with how things were going. And that kind of lingered on. There was this sense that really Messi maybe wasn't as focused on PSG as he was on the World Cup in Argentina. And then I think when he went and won the World Cup with Argentina and then came back and wasn't performing so well for Paris... Saint-Germain, the, 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 feeling came, the, the feeling sort of grew that maybe he wasn't as committed to PSG um, as they would have liked. Um, and then I think that the other thing that works in Miami's favor is that, like, I think you've seen, you know, with Argentina lately, um, that when Messi is kind of, um, you know, comfortable and happy and he's the star of the show and he's able to sort of run things as he wants and everyone, the rest of the team kind of plays second fiddle to him, that, like, he's very comfortable in that role now. You know, at PSG, there was a sort of awkward marriage between him and Mbappe and Neymar, like you say. Like, which one of them was the star? Was it Messi or was it Mbappe? Um, I think, you know, when he's, you know, clear, when his role is clearly defined, when the team revolves around him, that will make him comfortable. That will make him happy. He's at his best when he's happy. A guy whose game is really, you know, dependent on how he's feeling and his own emotions. And so I think, you know, if Miami surround him with, 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 players who um, kind of know their role, then, then they'll get the best out of him. Um, I was intrigued by the fact that people say he left so much money on the table and for Saudi Arabia and was offering him a huck of $100 million a year. But I've always, um, the philosophy is, it looks like this deal is he has salary of what, 15, 20 million, but he's going to get a, a, a potential ownership of the team. Plus Adidas is going to do something with a shoe where he's going to have his own shoe. And with Apple, with the streaming, when you combine all, the, all that together, that's where, I mean, if, you know, he can make more money doing this than the Saudi Arabia. Look at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan made all his money from his Nike deal, not from playing for the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, he definitely can make a lot of money. Whether he'll make more than he could have done in Saudi, I'm not sure because I think some of the sums getting thrown around there were pretty crazy at the end. Um, But but yes, um, you know, Messi already had a lifetime contract with Adidas um, that he signed in 2017. So, um, you know, he was already going to be handsomely by Adidas for the rest of his life. But yes, I think uh, between that and I think the Apple uh, deal is is like super interesting um, because I think there's a world in which uh, Messi's arrival, um, you know, really does make a sort of significant impact on um, on you know that, that those subscription packages and um, and so that yeah that will be that will be very interesting. Also, you know, I think Apple had 
you know, just recently agreed, uh, you know, deal to, to produce a, a documentary on Messi, like a four-part documentary. So I just think that that sort of, you know, that partnership with Apple, you know, anytime you get to be, you know, um, embedded and, and, and kind of in a relationship with the, uh, you know, most profitable company in the world, that's uh, helpful. So, um, yeah, I, I think that the, yeah, the, the, the sort of mechanics of the deal are, like super interesting. We still don't know exactly everything that's in the deal, but I think once those details come to light, um, it's going to be really fun to sort of drill down on um, on exactly what's happening. But a very imaginative, kind of creative deal um, for MLS. And, you know, I think a, a, an encouraging sign, really, because, um, you know, these are the, the sort of things that MLS is going to need to do to lure, you know, guys like Messi and, and really the, the top players in the world to sort of... Um, you know, circumvent in some ways the um, relatively like low salaries that the clubs are able to offer. It's it's imaginative deals like this that will aim, enable them to sign. Um, you know, re- really, um, you know, the top players. When Pele came to America and went to with New York Cosmos and they sold out Giant Stadium, people said soccer is here. But really, the foundation wasn't set. There wasn't what we have now as uh, multi, you know, thirty teams with with most of them having perfect soccer stadiums that were the were the right size. The passion, the enthusiasm of these fan bases. Soccer is in a much better position now in America to get the you know get some the crossover fans, the football fans, the college football fans, the pro football fans the basketball fans, they're just general sports fans. So he's really coming at a right time and, you know, cresting the wave. And he might be the thing, you know, people talk about Gretzky when Gretzky came to Los Angeles and how that set in motion, putting teams all throughout the South and Nashville's and, and those things in the Florida Panthers because of Gretzky's move. So Messi could, this is, this is really an interesting thing. What will happen, not just for Messi coming, but the entire soccer in the United States. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that, you know, that, that um, you know, the North American like sports public is like super sharp, right? They know if what they're getting is like the authentic best thing or not. And because they're, you know, because they are sports fans in the U S they are, they are accustomed to seeing like the best of everything, right? The best football players in the world play in the NFL, the best basketball players in the world play in the NBA. I think sometimes there's been a perception that the best players in the world do not play in MLS, but there is absolutely no denying that Lionel Messi is, you know, certainly one of the best players in the world and, you know, one of the greatest, uh, you know, soccer players the game has ever seen. So there is no denying that everyone who knows anything about sports knows Lionel Messi. And I think, you know, six months after he lifted the World Cup, um, I think his, yeah, his arrival here will be a transformative moment for the league. You know, it, it, like I say, the, 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 the question now is, is, is how they capitalize on that and what they can do to ensure that, like, Lionel Messi is not like a, a, a Pele or a Beckham, and, and, and it, it actually follows up with sort of a sustained commitment to bring the game's best, play, the game's best players you know, to the U.S. We've been talking to Jonathan Clegg, author of Messi vs. Ronaldo, One Rivalry, Two Goats, the Air uh, that, uh, of the World's Game, uh, the, the air that remade the World's Game. And before we let you go, I know that you also are you know, right about Formula One. I'm a humongous Formula One fan. And that must be you know, the fact that the uh, Miami event was so tremendous that everyone's talking about for the second year. And now we're going to have the Vegas event in the fall. Uh, talk about in terms of how Formula One is really taking over the United States. Yeah, actually, it's funny enough, um, uh, Josh Robinson and I are just uh, putting the finishing touches to our book on Formula One, which will be out um, next year, um, which will be called The Formula. And that is uh, literally about that exact topic. Yep, the, the, the um, uh, uh, resurgence of F1 and how that has um, 
you know, finally, uh, after years of trying, really started to make inroads in the U.S. And, yeah, I think the Miami uh, Grand Prix was huge in terms of um, putting F1 on the map. Um, the, 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 the guys who took over um, the sport in uh, 2017, Liberty Media, a bunch of U.S. Uh, you know, private equity guys who recognized that the sport was massively under-marketed uh, in, uh, in the U.S. and uh, set about sort of trying to transform F1, make it more um, accessible. Um, the Drive to Survive Netflix series was huge in terms of getting people um, you know, to know the personalities and, and characters inside the sport. And um, they are they are smashing ratings um, every single time. I think the the the, the, the Miami uh, Grand Prix was enormous. The race in Austin last year was um, the biggest, the most attended Grand Prix ever in Formula One history. And they had nearly half a million uh, spectators over the course of the weekend. Um, and I think this 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 race in Vegas in November is going to be completely crazy. A night race, Saturday night race down the Vegas Strip. Um, I think it's going to be wild. So, um, yeah, F1 is that um, they are laser focused on focused on uh, on the U.S. at the moment. I think they have got three races in the U.S. this year. They've got one in Canada, one in Mexico, one in Sao Paulo, which makes six races in the U.S. time zone. And they are really committed to um, to trying to crack the market here. Just need an American driver to become a star like Andretti was. I think that would that's the one thing that if you have an American driver, you know, competing at the highest level, that would be a huge boom here in America for the excitement. But it's like again, it's something that I know everyone is waking up here on the, the East Coast, you know, for the nine o'clock races, the eight o'clock races, watching the pre-show, yep. watching Martin Brundle walk through the celebrity row. It's just how they do it. And that's I think it. the the fact that the races don't last long, like they're only like what an hour and a half, sometimes hour twenty minutes. I think that also helps. It's not like you have to sit there for a NASCAR race for three, four hours and, and watch something. It's, I, I think that helps also uh, the salesmanship of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I, they, they are really like focused on trying to make the sport as sort of, like I say, as accessible as possible. I think for years there was this idea that like it was, um, it was sort of too technical, like it was very hard to understand. It was very engineering and sort of like STEM focused. And, uh, and now they're sort of trying to make it more about the um, the personalities of the drivers, um, you know, trying to get into more of the sort of rivalries between the teams and the and the, and the guys uh, in the cockpit, and um, yeah, they're sort of really really trying to make it as. Um, yeah, as sort of uh, accessible to the new fan as possible. Jonathan, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk with, but talk about your formula book. We appreciate you coming on talking about Lionel Messi. Uh, thanks so much, and we're so excited to hear it down here in, in starting in July. So I can't wait to see what happens when when he starts playing for Inter Miami. Yep, me too. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye.